It's time to talk politics. It's Hardline on WBEN. Now, WBEN's David Bellavia. Welcome back to Hardline. Uh, this story uh, came up uh, the other last week, and I wanted to talk about it. This gives me the perfect opportunity to do it. You know, uh, we just got done uh, talking about a sheriff's race in Orleans County. One of the things that you see a lot in western New York, people don't really give a, a lot of attention to farmers and agriculture, but obviously a huge New York is the second largest apple producer in all of, of the nation. Uh, and I think our apples are better than Washington anyway. But a lot of that is in rural western New York, right? There was uh, Agriculture Secretary uh, Sonny Perdue in the Trump administration recently uh, wanted to relocate the offices of the Economic Research Service and the National Institute, uh, Institute of Food and Agriculture. These are basically scientific, uh, they're not think tanks, they're a part of the Department of Agriculture, uh, but the USDA is uh, based in Washington, D.C. Like every other uh, secretary, every other department, it's based in Washington, D.C. But these two areas of the Department of Agriculture deal with specifically with agriculture farmers and the scientific research into uh, how they can essentially help farmers and their crops. So Sonny Purdue came up with the idea of moving these two depart- these two agencies in the Department of Agriculture to where the farmers are, uh, you know, Iowa, uh, areas in rural America so that they can better, you know, they could be organized and on the ground meeting the needs of agriculture in the United States. So how do you think the employees of the Department of Agriculture were like, hey, we want you to actually be near farmers so you could help farmers and therefore that is the entire basis, the 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 mission statement of what we do. This is the equivalent, by the way, of putting Central Command, which is based in Tampa Bay, Florida, Central Command in the in the uh, DOD, and at a time of war, Central Command moves to Qatar in the Middle East. Why? Because in Qatar, in the Middle East, that's closer to the war. <laughs> you would think you'd want Central Command near the actual battle, right? I mean, if there was a war going on and your central command stayed in Tampa, it would be a little bit hard to find out what's going on on the ground. So Sonny Purdue wants to move these two agencies in the Department of Agriculture closer to farmers. And the response is historic resignations across the board. People at the Department of Agriculture have had enough. They don't want to move to Iowa. They don't want to go to the Midwest. They don't want to leave the swamp. They want to stay right in the swamp. They're very comfortable with their Starbucks coffee in the morning, taking the red line, living in Crystal City. They don't want to be near the uh, the farmers. They don't want to be near, because what is the Department of Agriculture? Is Do they even, are they qualified? Do they know what the hell they're doing? Sure, they're all educated, but they want to maintain their quality of life over doing what actually they're they're there to do. I mean, isn't that just nuts to you? Yeah, you would think that would be more productive if I could be close to what I'm actually governing over. 
You would think <laughs> right. that that would be something you'd want. Uh, that one uh, agency, ERS, they employ 330 people, and they're uh, the they're actually members of the American Federation of Government Employees. That's their union, and they're just joined. Uh, so this month they're unionized. And their employees voted 138 to 4 to unionize. And the other group that I had mentioned, their workers will hold a vote in June. But they're fighting back. And a document known as the Stay-Go List, uh, the Washington Post got a hold of it. And they described 76 positions at the ERS that would, that would remain in Washington and all other employees of the 330. The rest of the employees would be assigned to a new site. Uh, planned uh, and you know they would move those guys to wherever the Department of Agriculture felt they were needed and they they said look there's planned attrition um, we're going to leave we'd rather resign than move and on a single day uh, six people quit the ERS last week six people quit uh, they're anticipating another 15 to quit between now and, and Memorial Day so Right now, they, they anticipated another 15 have, have left. And starting in June, when the other uh, agency gets a vote, there's going to be an estimated 15 to 30 people that will that will leave their jobs to say, screw you, I, I don't want to do this. I mean, th- that is the swamp. We all talk about the swamp critters in Washington, D.C. We talk about the folks that are like, hey, you know, I'm in it for, you know, big pharma or all the other people that are paid out by all these special interest groups. These are actually in the agencies themselves. I mean, the IRS, the you know Department of Education, there are schools all across America, right? There are state education conferences constantly. If there was a problem in the Alabama school system and the Department of Education had to send 15 people to live in Alabama because we had to correct this. They're not allowing, uh, you know, black people to there's integration issues or the reading levels are off the map and the state board of education can't handle it. The federal department of education needs to go in there and, and, you know, double down on federal law to make sure that this is working. And your employees are like, no, (laughs) wait a minute. No, it's part of your job. You have to go to Alabama. No, not going to do it. Sorry. <laughs> but you're a GS 97. You're making a ridiculous amount of money as a step 12 GS 14. Your job is mandated on that you do the needs of the secretary and the president tell you to do. Go down there. Nope. No, nope, I quit. I quit. Fine, quit. We'll just replace everyone. That is the problem. It's the non, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Mark Epstein called them the managerial state, right? They're not, they're political appointments. That's what the secretaries are. But these are people that just ebb and flow throughout political appointments. They're hired in 1985 and they stick around. Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter. They are loyal to the state. They're loyal to to the system that employs them. And they all have their partisan point of view. But at the end of the day, are they there for farmers? Are they there for agriculture? Are they there for a check? Well, as you see with these resignations coming from the Department of Agriculture, these people obviously don't care about what their job is. What is the as farmers? Everyone will talk about farmers. Oh, my God, these tariffs are killing farmers. This aid package to help farmers. 
Well, the Department of Agriculture doesn't even care about farmers. So why should you expect anyone else to care about agriculture in the United States? How many people? This used to be one of the main industries in the United States. Technology, family farms, the estate tax. So many things have devastated agriculture in the United States. And when the Department of Agriculture doesn't even want to deploy to where farmers are because it's below their lifestyle it's below the cost of living. I mean, could you, is there a middle finger big enough to wave at people that are literally like, eh, I'm good with the Department of Agriculture, only if it's in Midtown New York, you know? Yeah, close to all those farms in Midtown New York. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I've been collecting this check for 20 years. Oh, you want me to actually go do my you job? You want me to go do oh, the I'm job? No, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. Maybe yeah. they could be replaced with farmers. <laughs> Seriously, though. I mean, that's what it's going to take, and who better to know? And again, it doesn't matter where you get your degree from. If you're there to help, you know, whatever. There are, by the way, and there are members of the Department of Agriculture, they, you know, they'll knock on your door and they're like, hey, we're looking for this uh, cherry fly that is eating cherry trees. And these people are, like, dedicated, and they, they, all, they all live for, you know, we're fighting Asian carp. We're over here doing every Great employees doing their job, deployed everywhere. But it's the uh, the hierarchy that does not want to go to where the problems are because they have a custom of living and they're not getting dirty and they don't own blue jeans and they don't have work boots and they're going to they would rather quit than do what their secretary of agriculture tells them to do. Just unprecedented. It's a crazy story. We're going to have that and so much more. We're going to be talking uh, a small rural uh, city judge race there. Well, not really small rural city, Batavia. It's a pretty big area, uh, but there's a city judge race. Uh, we've asked both uh, uh, of the participants in that primary to come on the air. And uh, one of them responded. We'll get the other one uh, here eventually. But we'll have that and so much more. It's Hardline after this. Do you remember when everyone that stood, uh, anyone that was near a keyboard from 1988 to 1993, everyone could play that intro? Yeah. That literally was what everyone did. It was like you had to find the right, I think it was uh, on the Casio, it was like Miami Blend. It was like 21, and you pop that into the Casio, and you're like, it's uh, Beverly Hills Cop, right? Yeah. They had a keyboard at my elementary school, and that's all I did. Was the only use for the keyboard. That was the only use for the keyboard is to do that. Absolutely. Hey, uh, welcome back. It's Hardline. We've got another uh, topic to go, and then we're going to uh, uh, tackle a uh, city judge uh, race out here in Batavia, which is fat. I love this stuff. I love to hear about, you know, you see all these signs when you're driving around. You're like, what does a city judge even do? Do you know what a city judge does? Do you know what's involved in running for city judge? How Can anyone run for city judge? I mean, let's educate ourselves on this stuff. You know, how many people don't know what the term at large even means? What does that mean? He's at large. Did he commit a crime? What do you mean he's running for legislator at large? Well, that's what we're here for, to walk you through the numbers and make you comfortable. Uh, But first, another story that broke uh, this week in politics, a national story. You know, uh, Trump uh, announced, well, unleashed uh, onto uh, the world here, Attorney General Bill Barr, a declassification directive. You know what that means? Well, that is every, every intelligence agency, everyone across the board is now 
having to disclose uh, their sources, all this information that was top secret and covered up into Russiagate, Spygate, and et cetera. And this is really, if you, if you want to get to why the Democrats have ratcheted up the impeachment talk, this is all connected as to why there's so much paranoia now in the Democratic Party, because it's not just about, well, let's hear from Mueller. Oh, let's get the Mueller report. Oh, let's, uh, you know, let's go through all these investigations in the House. Everything is going to come to the light now. And they are at serious legal risk for those who took a part in the Russiagate, Spygate uh, investigation. And you have to understand, we're talking about, you know, using the intelligence agencies to essentially launder intelligence. What does launder intelligence mean? Well, how do you money launder? You take you take money from one source that you know is bad money. It's drug money. It's money stolen or it's money uh, confiscated from the sale of, of something, uh, legal activity. And you move that money through legitimate businesses, legitimate enterprises. And that money is no longer connected to the dirty money, but it's sourced in bad. It's sourced in criminality. Well, the same thing was done with intelligence. You take bunk nonsense BS and you launder it through legitimate news agencies, allegedly. Uh, You put it through the Washington Post or you put it on letterhead from the FBI. And once you have it on letterhead from the FBI, CIA, NSA, Director of National Intelligence, you then are able to say, wait a minute. Do you remember when Joe Beamer said a UFO took him into orbit and did four laps around the planet and then dropped him off in San Antonio, Texas? Well, that's actually on an FBI document. So it has to be legitimate. So now you have an FBI document saying that Joe Beamer got sucked into a mothership, flown around the planet 14 times, dropped in San Antonio, Texas. And now a reporter on the record can ask that question to the FBI because it's on an FBI letterhead. Was it legitimately sourced? Of course not. This is intelligence laundering. And it's a it's a way to use intelligence to weaponize it, to use it against your political enemies. Not a pro-Trump statement. This is a legitimate statement, a statement that's made. If you have someone you disagree with, you can now weaponize information, weaponize intelligence and go right for the jugular. And that's essentially what we've seen with John Brennan, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Sally Yates, uh, members of the elected, you know, now these committee members. I mean, Adam Schiff is essentially having the same conversation with Russian oligarchs that he's accusing Paul Manafort and other people of having conversations with. It's pretty crazy. But uh, the rank-and-file FBI agents that took place in, you know, the Washington, D.C. field offices, a lot of these guys are, you know, you've heard the party line of these are honorable, good men and women. Well, we're finding out the more and more, a lot of them aren't. For every honorable person you see at a local office doing the Lord's work and throwing bad guys, terrorists, and putting them in jail, a lot of these rank-and-file people from the Washington, D.C. field offices knew exactly what they were doing and are knee-deep in this, what appears to be, an attempt to undermine an elect, you know, a president of the United States who's duly elected. So the... Folks that are in the intelligence apparatus from the CIA, FBI, Department of Justice, uh, and NSA, 
are now having all of these documents purged and all of these documents are going to be made public. And that is following with an AG, uh, William Barr, going through and recommending criminal action and actually starting to indict these folks. And that coincides with the Horowitz Inspector General report, which basically says these are these are the uh, that's really focused so much on the on the FISA uh, courts. You know, this court was designed post 9-11 for the, the, the reality of finding someone in real time about to blow up the space needle. And I can't wait to get a warrant. I can't wait to uh, go through the legal means to find out I need to get in this guy's cell phone right now. I got to make sure he might be on the 990 headed towards Amherst. I've got to find this guy now and shut him down. Well, hey, this is what the FISA court's for. Go right at him, take his bank account, take his cell phone records, and find this guy and bring him to justice. That's not what it was used for at all. That's not what it was used for, and it was uh, bastardized, and that's why uh, they're trying to get to the bottom of it. But if you if you boil it down, a lot of that comes from a lot of insecurity right now because there's a lot of people that have been running around pushing this narrative that are about to uh, have all their emails exposed. And I'll tell you what, if you're telling me that there's you know six degrees of separation between innuendo and and folks that just happen to be in the same room or happen to be having a conversation and then all of a sudden that exact same narrative shows up at the wall the washington post it shows up at the new york times i mean comey we know is being indicted it's going to be indicted for leaking at the very least what are the other charges that come up uh we're all going to find out together it's pretty exciting hey when we come back we're going to hear from a guy named duran rogers he's the current uh city judge in batavia He's running for uh, city uh, judge again in the city of Batavia. And we're going to hear from her, him, and we're going to hear from his opponent eventually. Uh, but we're going to take a break, get some news, and we'll be right back with a city court judge race in Batavia. All that and more. It's our line. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back. We have a, uh, a race in uh, Batavia that is a city judge race. People think to themselves, what does that even mean? What does a city judge do? You know, have you ever thought about that? All these signs that you see come primary time. Uh, you questioned yourself, you know, what, what are these things and, and what what are the jobs that are involved? So we brought in uh, one, uh, the actual current city judge in Batavia. Uh, his name is Duran Rogers, and he uh, has the job now. He's going for re-election. He's got a primary coming up, and we've offered time to his opponent. Haven't been able to work that out, but we have him, and he's kind enough to join us on Hardline. Thank you very much, sir. David, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you for being on. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on. Okay, so let's just talk real quick. Uh, we'll get into the race, of course, and, and talk about you. One thing, uh, though. What's that? If I correct one thing, I'm, I'm not running for re-election. I'm actually running for election the first time. I apologize. I, I didn't mean to. I've got uh, too many notes here. I apologize. Uh, running for judge uh, for the first time. L- let me just get r- down to it. As far as can anyone run for, uh, we, we just heard from a, a sheriff out in Orleans County. Anyone could run for sheriff. Can any person run for city judge? No. Uh, you actually have to be a lawyer uh-huh. and uh, because it's a position in the state court system. Now, anyone certainly can run for a town or village justice, but not in a city court system. Now, in the city court system, there are restrictions as to what you can do when you are a sitting judge or you're running for judge, correct? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We, uh, as uh, judges, are prohibited from engaging in political activities, um, except when authorized by uh, our rules governing judicial conduct. So there are very specific rules uh, regarding a judge's uh, behavior, and um, those rules sometimes are hard to apply, and and, and they become a challenge. So our New York uh, system has set up a committee and uh, um, basically an ethics center that allows us to um, ask questions, get specific opinions, uh, to allow us to make sure that our conduct is proper. And I I've consulted them many times uh, over the past uh, four years, uh, you know, being a judge and, uh, and continue to do so even while I'm, uh, you know, obviously running a campaign. So you want to make sure that your behaviors and your, uh, your conduct is correct all the time. So, so we're talking to Dern Rogers, who's running for city court judge in Batavia. Now, here's the crazy part. You're currently a judge and your opponent is not a judge. So if I asked you a question that was a, a, a political question right now, you're running for an election, you, would ha- you could not answer that question because of your current duties, and your opponent can answer whatever question he wants. Well, I, I don't know if my opponent could answer whatever he wants. There are certain uh, restrictions that um, all candidates, whether you're a judge uh, or a judge running for your candidacy or uh, a, a non-judge running for the candidacy. There are certain restrictions on that, but there's always restrictions that are going to apply. But, you know, just for instance, a, a judge cannot speak uh, on, on a cases that are before it presently. Uh, a judge cannot give its, uh, their opinion on uh, what we call the hot topics, uh, you know, things that are um, uh, mainly coming before the court and certainly uh, could ultimately wind up in front of the court. So, for instance, I couldn't give you a, my opinion on uh, the legalization of marijuana. Um, because we're judges, our, our opinions are not important when it comes to that, um, because our job is to apply the law. Um, but just to give you, you know, for an example, you know, judges are restricted, um, you know, quite often in their political conduct. Um, you know, a judge can only campaign for a certain period of time, generally within what they call their window of nine months. Um, for instance, a judge can't use a, a picture of themselves in the courtroom, campaign uh, except under. You know, very specific circumstances, you know, such as a swearing-in ceremony. And I, I, I'm proud that my uh, family happened to be there during my swearing-in ceremony. And so, so if I have a, a great photo of you hammering a gavel uh, during a, a very, you know, popular case that was, you know, uh, broadcast all over uh, Genesee County and, and Rochester, you could not use that in any campaign commercial because of, of the fact that you were on the bench at the time. In the general sense, no. That is just, it, it, nobody knows any of these things. Now, what about the things you do as a civilian uh, when, when you are, uh, you know, conducting yourself? Uh, if you, for example, uh, let's say I, I wanted to have uh, 
a, a rally for you and I had alcohol there and I was like, hey, come on out. You couldn't do that because of your the different uh, policies that you have to adhere to involving alcohol at a political event and other things like that? Yeah, there are always, uh, you know, restrictions and, and things that are going to be put in place. But I guess I would, uh, you know, handle that question more this way, if you don't mind, David, that, you know, when you're a judge, you're you're never uh, truly off the bench. Um, even when you're not wearing your robe, it's, uh, it's right. important to always maintain the dignity of the position and, and the public's confidence uh, in the system. So I always t- tend to carry myself in a way that, that does so, and, and simply because I'm out at a restaurant, you know, like Tully's with my family or even in my backyard, I have to be conscious of that. So I guess I would put it this way. Um, people have to be confident uh, when they walk into a courtroom that they're going to be treated fairly and respectfully uh, by a judge who's going to be courteous. If I don't display uh, those qualities in my daily life, um, I, I don't think the members of our community would, would think that I will do so when I put the robe on. So We, we are speaking with uh, Judge Dern Rogers, who is uh, currently uh, running uh, for Batavia City Court Judge. And uh, I, I want to learn more about, you know, your th- what the job entails. What are the characteristics that people should look for uh, in a city court judge? You know, it's one thing to say that you just, you know, a hang em judge, a guy who just, you know, no, we're going to throw people against the wall. What is the, the what are the, the characteristics that we need? Well, uh, let's put it this way. I think uh, you know the qualities of a good judge uh, are always going to be knowledge of the law, obviously, um, but but someone who's fair and honest, uh, someone who has integrity, uh, and someone who's respectful, no matter who comes before the the court, whether it's uh, attorneys or, or litigants. Um, I think you want someone, uh, in my mind, who has a, a passion for seeing that justice is served and. Uh, and we'll do so, you know, consistently, not just on Monday or Wednesday or Friday, but each and every day, and and, and do so for the entire term that uh, you're, you're the people elect you for, and that's that's why we have ten years terms, you know, for for these type of positions. Um, you clearly want somebody, in my mind, uh, who has knowledge of the court administration process um, and uh, from both sides of the bench. Uh, and I, I think you only get that if you're a lawyer and a judge. Um, and uh, I think you want somebody with judicial experience. And in uh, this election, I, I think the voters have uh, a chance to elect someone who has that. Um, yeah, there's a possibility, and, and many times uh, you have elections where you don't have that. I, I don't think it diminishes the benefit of it, and, and I do have that. So. Um, I, I can even say that, uh, and, and I, I believe um, that Judge Balbick, who I'm, I'm seeking to uh, um, you know, fill that full-time position, which will be some big shoes to fill, uh, he was our Batavia part-time judge uh, and gained that judicial experience you know, during that time period uh, when he transitioned to the full-time uh, position. So um, I, I think that's important. Uh, and in, in my case, uh, I've been a, a prosecutor, I've been a defense attorney, and I've, uh, I've been a judge. And I think wearing those three hats is a, a great combination to be able to see all sides equally. Well, you know, without getting into uh, individual cases, uh, which, of course, you couldn't do. Can't. <laughs> no, right. But but one of the things that I find, uh, do you ever have feedback? People think that when you're on a bench, you you have someone in front of you, you make a decision. Sometimes you you follow the law and and sometimes these are difficult decisions and sometimes they impact that person's life. Do you have inter, any interaction after a sentence has been uh, handed out how that person is doing? Have you ever 
you know, run into family members that have said this was heavy handed. But, you know, with drugs, especially in Western New York, this might be the only opportunity that someone could get help is by going through the uh, the system. Absolutely. And uh, first, first of all, we always follow the law. That's uh, the most important part. And unfortunately, many times, uh, most times following the law in the sense of a criminal matter, it can result in a, a decision or a sentence that is not uh, in the mind of the defendant uh, favorable to them. Um, and in, unfortunately, drug cases, many times uh, that does result in incarceration. But in response to your question, do I meet, uh, say, family members or even the individuals? Um, I can uh, say with, uh, um, I, I guess, great honor that I've had several defendants come up to me after uh, sentencing, sometimes when they're released from either uh, a uh, substance abuse facility or even um, a jail term, um, to, to thank me. Um, it was their best and, and only hope to, to get clean. Um, I take that to heart, and uh, I, you know, I, I enjoy meeting people out, um, I, whether whether I've sentenced them in court or whether I see them, you know, when I go to Walmart. Um, it, the right thing to do is, is to always say hello. Well, uh, we're speaking with uh, Duran Rogers. He is a uh, running for the full time city court judge position in Batavia. Uh, you can go to his Facebook page, Elect Elect Judge Rogers. Now, that last name is R-O-G-E-R-S. It's at Facebook. Uh, already received the endorsement from the Republican Committee in the city of Batavia. Uh, and there are other endorsements, too. Uh, if you if you live in the uh, in the in that area, you know, most of these uh, pretty big names, uh, former sheriff and uh, various other folks. I believe the conservative party has also endorsed you. Correct, Judge. That is correct. I did get the official endorsement from the Conservative Party as well. So we got the Republican Party, Conservative Party endorsement. And again, we will hear from your opponent as well. We're going to take a break. More with Judge Rogers after that. And again, the Facebook page is Elect Judge Rogers. You can go to Facebook and sign up and see if you want to participate in the campaign, help them out in any way. Uh, but that's the uh, Facebook page. We're going to have Duran Rogers, Judge Duran Rogers on right after this. It's Hardline. We are speaking to uh, Judge Duran Rogers. He's running for the full-time position at the Batavia City Court Judge, endorsed by the uh, retired sheriff of Genesee County, the current sheriff of Genesee County, the City Republican Committee, and the conservative uh, party of uh, Genesee County. Uh, and uh, you go to his Facebook page, at uh, Elect Judge Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S. Uh, Judge Rogers, thank you for taking time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. David, if you don't mind, uh, just to do a follow-up to one of the, the topics you mentioned about my restrictions and things of that nature, uh, and, and you raised the, the, the concept of doing you know, a party or something of that nature, uh, it, it reminded me of the fact that uh, recently I was requested, for instance, to appear as a celebrity bartender for a, a, a local not-for-profit call. <laughs> and this is even during my, my window of opening to, uh, to campaign. Um, but I, I, having known uh, of the ethics committee and things of that nature, I actually sought an opinion, only to be advised, uh, shockingly enough, they already had an opinion on a celebrity bartender situation, uh, which uh, denied, say, judges' participation uh, in such of an event, um, even if you put certain restrictions in, because it 
could tend to lend the, uh, I guess, the prestige of the title uh, to fundraising. So um, those are other reasons, you know, it makes it difficult sometimes for judges who are in a judicial race to run uh, versus uh, non-judges. So that's something I can't do. So, Well, Judge, why, why do we even, I mean, to me, an election, when I look at you and your opponent go through this whole process and, of course, the primary uh, coming up uh, June uh, 25th, right? Correct. 25th. June 25th is the primary. I look at this process. You know, why do we even elect judges? Do you, do you is there a, a, a it just to me, it's you're running around and you're trying to 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 make people aware of what you do, how important it is in the community, how important it is to the republic, quite frankly. Uh, do you find that the process is really not exactly you're not a politician, you're a judge. Uh, that's correct, and uh, I've never been a politician. So, uh, you know, the, it's a tough question, David, when you think about the, the concept of uh, of judges, in, in my mind, um, you know, being either uh, elected or appointed. I, I know that the state of New York is in the minority of most uh, states because they do, uh, you know, an appointment process. Um, but, you know, the, I think there's, a, you know, good uh, pros and cons, you know, to any approach, uh, whether it's an election or appointment. And, and it just happens that New York is an election method. And some people say it allows uh, you know, people in the community to, to get to know uh, the individual who will serve them. And, and ultimately, uh, they will be able to choose uh, who will be the qualified candidate. Uh, in my mind, many people uh, probably think uh, that that's one of those important factors to keep judges accountable and grounded while while others say that a judge shouldn't be you know, subject to the political pressures of an election year. So if you ask me, I, I think the general uh, public probably would prefer uh, elections uh, because it gives them a voice and a choice. Um, for me, I, I accept the system as it is. Uh, I'm a judge and uh, probably uh, shouldn't be speaking to changing the law. I, I, I just apply it. You know, that, that's so fascinating to me, too, when you look at, you know, all the every time you hear from someone going running for an election, it's always these are the changes I would make to make the city of Batavia better. Well, you really can't do that. The law is the law. You stated before, as, as much as your heart may bleed for someone that's before you, it's really not about mercy. It's about the law. What comes after that is your opportunity to, you know, adjudicate how you can better serve the community by enforcing the law. But there's really not a promise you can make when you run for city judge. No, in fact, uh... Uh, you know, I, I can I can make you one promise, and, and the, the, this promise I will make. I will work a, as hard as I can, you know, every day, uh, every hour, you know, for the proper administration of justice. But you can't make promises uh, that somehow would apply anything that would be uh, um, opposite of the law. You are absolutely correct, and and that's uh, one of the big things. I mean, to me, there's there's uh, a judge cannot bring personal views to a bench. Um, there, there's no way for a judge to do that, and I, I've become quite accustomed to, to putting my personal views aside. If you're not prepared to do that, uh, David, you, you truly cannot serve as a judge. Yeah, and, and to me, it just it seems like you know when when you uh, you look at your children and you look at uh, you know your as far as your growth went from all the different things you've done in your career and how you've gotten at this level. Did you ever think that when you were a kid or you were going through law school? that this was what you wanted to do, or is this just life took you in this path and you decided this is how best I could serve? Uh, life took me in this path. Um, I was going to be an FBI agent. 
Um, that was my my ultimate job, and it was because the neighbor across the way, when I was in third grade, worked for an FBI technician lab. So that that was my my ultimate job, and um, I always wanted to work for a, a government agency. Um, but my path took me here. I, I graduated from the University of Florida because my parents, um, my father, who was a uh, a disabled uh, vet, and my mother, who uh, was a stay-at-home mom, I had the benefit of having them both there, and. Um, and then being able to impress upon me the uh, concepts of education and doing the right thing. So I, when I graduated from the University of Florida and, and decided to go to law school and, in Ohio, I, I met my wife, uh, and uh, um, she told me, if, if you want to marry me, uh, you got to move back to Batavia. So <laughs> 26 years later, uh, um, we're here and raising four wonderful children in the city, and um, my path took me through the county attorney's office and, and through a, a private practice, quite frankly, with my wife, because she's a, uh, I always say that she's the better attorney. Uh, but we, uh, we worked that out, and ultimately uh, this position came open, and uh, I thought it would be, uh, with my legal knowledge and, and my, my current judicial experience, a better way to, uh, to serve the, the, the you know, residents of the city of Batavia. His name is Duran Rogers. He's a judge. Uh, he's going for the full-time Batavia city judge position. Uh, the Facebook page is elect judge Rogers. Uh, and he's already received the endorsement from the current sheriff of Genesee County, the former sheriff of Genesee County, the, but uh, I should say the Republican committee in Batavia and the conservative party. So, I mean, that's, quite impressive uh, for the endorsements. Uh, he's also agreed to be on this program. We've asked his opponent in the June 25th primary to be on the program. Can't seem to work it out, but we will definitely honor that and try to get him equal time as we do. Uh, but Judge Rogers, uh, as we wrap this thing up, uh, you're going to all these meet and greets and you're, you've got one, you had one yesterday, in fact, right? Uh, and when you're talking to people, these are the conversations that you're basically having. Most of it seems to be like you're educating people as to what a city judge does. Um, I, I find myself uh, doing some of that education, you know, what we have in the sense of uh, legal jurisdiction and whether it's a landlord-tenant case and small claims matters and um, you know, traffic offenses and, and um, misdemeanor uh, criminal matters and the initial stage of the felony matters. I, I do find, you know, I'm educating people as to what a city court judge, but um, more importantly, uh, it seems that the recent questions that are coming up, you know, when I'm going either to the events or door to doors is, you know, about the concept of the primary, um, you know, when the primary is, uh, you know, that, why is there a primary election, you know, for uh, the Republican and conservative lines when you're the endorsed candidate and uh, uh, their concern about the whole primary process. So um, that's where I find that I'm uh, educating a little bit more because not many people are aware that the primary was changed to June 25th. It, it used to be in September, and um, most people are busy with their lives and think uh, in terms of general elections in November, and they're either raising kids or, or working one or two jobs. and. Um, or maybe have a, a family member they're taking care of. So a primary is just not on, on their uh, uh, radar. So that's one of the things I'm uh, you know, making sure they know, and uh, that's clearing up. You know, it's, it's got to be one of the most difficult things in the world. Uh, you know, you live a good life. You have a good family. Uh, you you want to be judged by your fruits and your profession. You become a judge. You, you run for a full-time uh, city court judge position. 
And it's not like you can run around and talk about the things every other elected official talks about. The SAFE Act and marijuana legalization. All of these things may be before you on a bench. And you don't have the, the luxury of running on platitudes. You can't run on what you're going to do. You have to run on, this is my integrity, this is my honor, and this is the way I'm going to conduct myself at all times. That's not typical for what people vote for when it comes to uh, candidates. And I, I would have to agree with you, David. And um, I, I just have to rely on my record, uh, my, uh, um, the people who know me in the community, the people who have appeared before me. Uh, that, that's the best way to do it. Um, knowing a track record, and, I, and I've dealt with thousands of cases now, and uh, I, I'm proud to say that as of yet, I've not had a case overturned. And it's, uh, I, I think that speaks to my abilities, and uh, I'm hoping that people see that um, I've dedicated my uh, professional legal career to you know, serving the community through government service um, uh, with the county attorney's office or otherwise. And uh, I'm hoping that's uh, refreshing to people. It is, well, hey, I got to wrap this up, but that's Judge Duran Rogers. Elect Judge Rogers on Facebook. Yeah, you can't judge him by, well, you can judge him by his endorsements. Uh, sheriff's uh, retired and current Republican, conservative. Other endorsements are coming up. It's Judge Duran Rogers. Thank you for your time, sir. Batavia City Judge that uh, will have his opponent on. It's June 25th. Facebook is at Elect Judge Rogers. This is Hardline. We'll see you next week.